Hey everyone, I want to tell you that I am a Wawa fan. I love Wawa because people from every walk of life go to Wawa and we seem to gather there together. And uh, especially in the mornings, and that's when you'll find me there too. You'll see that uh, when you're there, there's nurses and there's doctors and landscapers and executives and day laborers and teachers and pastors even, and we all are there doing the same thing. We get in line for gas together, and then we also want our coffee, and then for some of us, we're looking for lunch as well, and so with this singular focus, we all head into the ATM machine or the lunch order screen and the coffee carousel area, and then we all, after we've got what we need for the day, we go to the checkout line, and it's this oddly efficient circle of cash registers that seems to work really well for a crowd. And then we do this thing that this is what I love probably most about it. And I notice it every time. We hold the door for each other at Wawa. Man, we have this level of politeness for strangers in that moment. It's as if it's because we recognize we all have this common goal of morning coffee and maybe a bagel sandwich. So as Jeff was sharing last week's message, I had this thought. How does what he said work at Wawa? Now, if you didn't hear all of the message from last week, I want to challenge you to go to the podcast or you can go to our website and find that as well. He said, God is holy and God is good. Now, I believe this. I believe that God is holy, that God is separate, that God is apart from all of creation, that there's nothing like God and God created everything that God is not flawed, God is holy and separate, and that God is good, that God is fair, God is just, God is loving, and God is perfect. So it's perfect fairness, it's perfect justice, it's perfect love, that God is holy and God is good. And I, I believe that. But how does all of this work at Wawa? Because if it doesn't work at Wawa, then it doesn't work in life. You see, because I think Wawa is, in a small way, is this microcosm of real life. So how does God's holiness and goodness work in real life to create a life in focus? So one last Wawa thought before we move on. If Wawa were in the first century, Jesus would have spent a lot of time there. I believe he would have met someone like the woman at the well at Wawa. And he surely would have met his blue-collar fisherman friends at the gas pump or the cash register at Wawa. And he would have been teaching to the crowds, those gathered around, probably gathered around the coffee carousel, but they would have been listening to Jesus as he taught at Wawa. So let's read what Jesus had to say as he was talking to a crowd gathered. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 6 and his verses 25 through 34 if you want to find it later. And as we read uh, together, I'm going to stop and pause and talk about a few things. But let's read this. It says this, Jesus is talking and he says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. He says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Now, there's a possible disconnect for us here that we would worry about food and clothing is surely not a typical worry for most of us. Uh, in the 21st century, we're not concerned for 
most of the time, what kind of food and clothing. We're not talking about what restaurant should we go to tonight or what should I wear tomorrow. In the first century, and for about half the population in our world today, what to eat and what to wear is a daily worry. This worry Jesus is talking about is that the necessities of life are not being met, that this is real need, real concern, and real worry. So this isn't just the everyday common kind of uh, a concern. This is those things that are deeply uh, hurting our hearts. So Jesus goes on and he says, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Uh, at our home, we have house finches that build a nest on our front porch every year. We have a vine that grows across the porch, and they love that area, and they build a nest every year. And they make a mess. And they're annoying because the nest is so close to our front door that if we open the door too quickly, it startles the birds, and there's potential that birds will come into our house. So we have to wiggle the knob before we go out when we know the birds are in their nest so that we can move them out before we head out the door. And I know that we could stop them from building this nest, but I have to tell you that nearly every morning, I get my cup of coffee, and when the birds are in residence, I look out the front door, and I check to see how they're doing. And I imagine that God cares at least as much as I do about those birds. Now, a side note here, Jesus is not suggesting that worry is a lack of faith. And he's also not suggesting that anxiety is a sin. He isn't saying there isn't a clinical reason for anxiety as some people experience. Jesus is making an observation about worry, and we'll soon see he's also making it about focus. He's challenging us to a new life perspective. And so he goes on and he says this, and why worry about your clothing? Now, this again is not the uh, what should I wear kind of concern. This is real life, can I make it through the day kind of worry the kind of concern that we have for is uh, today, are my finances, is there a health update? Is there a career plan coming up? Those are the kinds of things that keep you awake at night. And this is the type of worry that someone will be experiencing in the first century when they're talking about food and drink and clothing, the basic necessities of life. He says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Uh, the other day at the grocery store, I bought a hydroponic basil plant, uh, I follow the directions, I put it in a cup of water, and it died two days later. 
and I was upset. I was upset about the $4 I spent, and I was upset that I won't have fresh basil through the winter. But the reality is plants and flowers exist for a short time, only for a season, or even less if they're in our kitchen window. And Jesus says, I know life can be overwhelming, and I know life can be difficult, and I know life can be hard, but he says, look at the birds. Look at the lilies. If God cares so wonderfully for birds and wildflowers, he will certainly care for you. I believe that Jesus here is offering hope and he's giving reassurance. He's letting us know that God knows and God cares. That a God who is holy and good, a God that is holy and separate and good and perfect knows and cares. That God has created a system for the birds so that they have food to eat. That God has created a system for wildflowers that as lilies grow uh, wildly, they're cared for. God creates systems for them. What if God has created a system for you and I so that we could grow and flourish as well? And so Jesus then tells the crowd and he tells you and I, so don't worry about these things. What will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Imagine developing that kind of trust and that kind of faith in God. Where even when basic human needs are, being, are, are not being met, that you can focus on your faith in God, where even in the face of negative test results or career change or financial struggle, worry is not absent, but it is not dominant because your faith and trust is focused on God. And then Jesus offers this challenge. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And God will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for debt, enough for today. Three things quickly. First, God says, here's the system for how you can live a life in focus and how you can, you can be sure that the same God who is good and holy, the same God that knows and cares, has created a system for the birds, has created a system for the lilies, and he's created a system for us and how we can live this life in focus and live a good, holy, or a good, a whole life is the first thing is to seek the kingdom of God above all else. In other words, order our lives according to the way the heavenly father, God, God's kingdom is best. Seek God's kingdom. Make this our first priority. A life in focus is a life focused on God. Focused on seeing God's will and seeing God's desires and seeing God's reign fulfilled in our lives, even while surrounded by worry. I think Jesus is challenging us to have this singleness of heart where we are seeking God and only God. And I know the question that may be in your mind is, how can my focus in life be predominantly on God and not the worries that I face? 
And the reality is the answer is simple, but difficult and challenging. It requires learned behavior. And I know this may sound like a Sunday school answer, but prayer leads to better focus. And prayer is a learned behavior that leads us to focus and put our priority on God. Let me challenge you with three quick ways that you can pray. And Pastor Jeff mentioned these earlier in the service. The first is that we have a prayer email. It goes out every day and you can read this prayer this email prayer in less than five minutes and provides a, uh, a little devotional and then is a, a, a short scripture followed by a prayer, followed by some prayer concerns. And you can read through that in five minutes and you can sign up for that easily. Uh, you can go to meethope.org slash today and you can find the details on how to do that. The second thing mentioned is a prayer park, and maybe not this week because it's cold, but soon, 700 Cooper Road, uh, you can stop at the prayer park right outside the building, and outside allows for great focus. Maybe you're an outside person, and just sitting on a bench just for a few minutes would allow you that kind of focus, and that would lead to learned behavior where you put the worries aside so you can focus on God alone. So the prayer email, prayer park. The third is our prayer wall, which is off to my left here. And uh, that is, again, another physical space where if you're in the building at 700 Cooper, you can leave a prayer note, just jot a note down, hanging on that prayer wall, and then pray for another so that someone else will come along later. And as they're leaving their prayer note, they can pray for yours as well. So three things, the prayer email, the prayer park, and the prayer wall. Because prayer has this way of focusing our life. It has this way of redirecting and it teaches us to trust because we're connecting to the eternal and the infinite while we're surrounded by the physical and the finite worries of life. So let me challenge you to try one of those things if you haven't done those before. So the first is seek God. The second is to live righteously. Live right. Live truthfully. Live a life of, I would say, sincerity so that our faith can influence those who see us and those around us. Man, I hope this next part sticks with you. If we can hold the door open for people at Wawa, then we should be asking the question, how can I hold the door to the kingdom of God open for the people in my life? What if living sincerely and living rightly is door holding to God's reign in someone else's life? What if we can hold the door to the kingdom at work and at home and at school? And man, I hope that every time you're at Wawa and you grab that door, you'll think now, how can I hold the door to the kingdom of God open for someone else in my life. And then finally, this third uh, thing I noticed in this passage, Jesus assures us that worry doesn't go away. Tomorrow, he says, will bring its own worries. So while we are seeking God and while we're living rightly, all the circumstances of life are still present. 
Again, referencing Jeff's message from last week, I love when he shared from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It's the same type of, uh, of uh, a thought here that, that, uh, that Paul has that Jesus is sharing in this, in this scripture. Uh, uh, Jeff mentioned last week that Paul says, we are pressed on every side by trouble. See, they don't go away, but we're not crushed. We may be pressed, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. Paul said, we're hunted down, but never abandoned. And we get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. See, troubles do not end when our priority is God's kingdom. But our life is in focus. And our life is well-ordered. And worry will not dominate our life. I said this earlier. I think Jesus is challenging us, challenging us to a new lifestyle. Challenging us to a life in focus, focused on God while the surrounding noise is still present. I mean, I don't have the time, but I, and I could tell you moment after moment in my life when the things of life threatened and challenged me to adjust my focus. And sadly, there have been times when I was so focused on the things around me that I missed out on what God might have for me. Because I took my eyes off of following God and instead I was seeking my own smaller kingdom, concern for the things of this world. Yet I have to be honest and also say that through career changes and life changes and health challenges and financial decisions and jobs and kids and bills and all of that, I still am sure that a focused life is a life focused on God. And you know, I I, I go back to my early days, decades ago, in my first theology class at Asbury College, I was introduced to a prayer written by John Wesley. And, and Asbury College, I don't talk about it a lot, but now it's Asbury University, but that's kind of the mecca of the John Wesley world. I mean, I mean Francis Asbury, the one who spread Methodism around, our, around the East Coast, was the founder of that, of that campus. And so when you're there, you are immersed in this Wesley spirit. And West, John Wesley believed that Christians should have moments when they reaffirm their faith in God. And so he thought it was an annual event. And so he created a service in 1755. And every year after that, this service continued in which an individual would renew their commitment to God. In a sense, challenging people to declare their focus. And he wrote a prayer for that service. And I was introduced to that prayer in my first class, seminary class, or my first theology class at Asbury. And I have prayed a version of that prayer before many moments and many decisions in my life. And I even uh, was sharing with someone this week that I prayed this prayer before coming to Hope. It was 17 years ago. I prayed this prayer. And it's not a magical prayer. But remember, prayer helps us with learning to focus. And I even have prayed it when I don't yet feel it. And I even pray it until I believe it. So I want you to listen. Just listen to this. Lord, I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure 
and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. Amen. Man, that's a powerful prayer. And often what seems like a storm is God orchestrating life. And while we may be worrying and we may be concerned about the necessities of life and the surroundings that have got us overwhelmed, God is caring and God is directing and God is working. And my part, according to Jesus, is to seek God with a singular focus, a singleness of heart. And my part, according to Jesus, is to live well, to live sincerely in all of my life. And according to Jesus, God promises to handle the rest. He says, look at the lilies. Look at the birds. You see, God is not surprised by a pandemic. God is not confused or unsure about what's the best course of action for my life or for your life. God is not overwhelmed by divisions in culture. God is not overwhelmed by church turmoil or social challenges or countries threatening war. And it does work at Wawa. A life focused on God can lead to the best life possible. And yet there are people from every walk of life, people that we see every day. And some are wondering and worrying about their health and worrying about their welfare. They're wondering and worrying about real life issues. And they have no other place to focus but on their worry. And their focus is stuck. But if we can live lives that are singularly focused on God, if we have our life in focus and we are living a sincere and true and right life, we can bring the kingdom of God, we can hold the door for God's reign and God's will so that others will experience the holiness of God in our workplaces, in our school places, and in our homes, and the goodness of God, the kingdom of God will reign. Jesus says, look at the birds, look at the lilies of the field and how they live. Your heavenly father knows your needs. The band's going to play a song in a few moments at the end of this time. And it speaks to the same theme. But before they do, I want to challenge you in this way. If you're willing, I want us to pray Wesley's covenant prayer together. Now, as I said, you may not believe it, but you can pray it until you believe it. And you may not be sure, but you can pray it until you're sure. And I also want to challenge you in this way. For me, when I, re- when I read that prayer, I always read that prayer with my hands open. Because for me, it's a prayer of trust. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to read, I'm going to say this prayer. And for me, it's about trust. Uh, you know that if you're in worship with us, sometimes people have their hands in the air. And when they're doing that, for me, that's an expressing of need or rescue. Because I know when, when, uh, when, when my kids were younger, when they came running up to me with their hands in the air, my immediate response was to pick them up. 
And so maybe as you read this prayer, wherever you are, you want to have your hands in the air. Or maybe you want to kneel in submission, or maybe you want to sit as you're contemplating the words that you're saying, or maybe you want to stand out of honor and respect. And as we read this together, I pray that as we read it, we would read it until we believe it. So it's going to be on the screen, and let's pray this prayer together in all our places. Lord, I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Let me be employed by you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low by you. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. So be it. Amen. Let's continue to pray. And so, God, we pray that we would learn to seek you, to live well, and to know that you have an order to our lives. In the same way that you care for the birds and you care for the flowers, you care for us. And so it would help us to have a, our lives in focus in such a way that no matter what circumstance we may find ourselves in, God, we would put our trust in you. That we would have our eyes on you. God, that we would know that you are holy and you are good and that you know and you care. And God, that as men and women of faith, we would live lives in such a way that we could open the door to the kingdom of heaven so that others would see this life as possible as well. That we don't have to be dominated by the worries of this life. But God, we can be focused on you, the author and creator of life. And so God, I would hope that that is our prayer. And that God, that if we don't believe it, we will continue to pray it until we do. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, the one who put his life on the line so that we could be in relationship with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And now may you and I seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And God will give you everything that you need. Amen. Enjoy your day.